If you're uh, visiting with us and you have kids, um, we just leave them in here during the service. Um, there is a nursery downstairs. You're welcome to hang out down there. There's a table right behind Paul there that the adults can play at as well. We are, we're starting a, a, a series just for four weeks. It'll be uh, short, and then we'll be back into uh, the Gospel of Matthew again. On the spiritual disciplines, there's actually a, a resource list um, just a partial list in your bulletin if you want to read up more about them. Um, better than reading about them is just to do them, so that would probably be a good idea. Um, like I said, this is four weeks. Jerry actually got us started last week um, when he taught on gratitude, which is actually, a, uh, I think, a, um, he talked as about an overlooked spiritual discipline um, and a practice that actually, when we practice it, I think it fuels a desire for the other disciplines. Um, tonight is just basically introductory, uh, fairly informational, so we understand what we're all talking about when we talk about the spiritual disciplines. And then the following three weeks, we're going to be looking at three specific uh, disciplines that are all tied together. Um, probably once a year we should do this, and that way we'll cover four every year and kind of work through them, but um, we're just going to be covering three of them over the next um, three weeks. Um, by way of introduction, uh, one thing to note, the last week of uh, our s- series is on the discipline or the spiritual discipline of service or ministry, and so you should have been hearing about this already, but um, there will be some information on the screen. We're going to have a ministry fair that day. Um, the Vineyard has, as you know, has almost no programs, um, but we encourage people to connect in different places to the city as people are doing various ministries, and lots of you are involved in things, and nobody knows what you're doing. And it may be something that somebody else here wants to be a part of. So um, we're going to have a, um, a chance to introduce anybody that goes to the Vineyard, if you're involved in a ministry outside of, the, outside of this place, um, we're going to have you come up. You're going to get about a minute to say what it is, uh, which is, yeah, like you've got to kind of zero it down. We'll have a slide. We're going to pray over all those different ministries. Then after the service, um, we'll be outside. There will be tables with information about every one of those ministries so we can all kind of get connected with that. Because of that, the last weekend of March, we will have no Saturday service. We'll all be together on Sunday. And I just got a call. Um, our Indian taco lunch, which kept getting canceled, is going to happen that Sunday. So we're eating Indian tacos outside afterwards as this fundraiser. And then uh, we will get to participate in that ministry fair. So if you are involved in a ministry and you want it represented, please make sure you either email me or come talk to me so we can make sure that you include that. We've all seen these on the news. Um, they're called sinkholes. Um, that particular one swallowed a few cars. Um, they develop when the uh, ground underneath erodes for some reason, like a, a, a water main might break, and the water erodes the ground underneath, and so you get this big, huge hole. Uh, various things cause them. But it's interesting because before they come through, everything looks normal, right? So there's cars driving by, there's houses that fall through them, there's people that fall in there, there's buildings that fall through um, everything looks normal until um, a burden is applied or some kind of stress or some kind of weight is applied um, over it, and then suddenly the, the surface breaks through and everything comes apart on, underneath. Um, that happens in our lives as well. Um, when what's inside um, has not been nourished and strengthened, in our, particularly in our walk with Christ, but in all aspects of life, and we pay attention only to the externals, we end up with the same thing. And most of us have had that experience probably at least once, if not a lot more, where we have paid so much attention to our life out here 
We haven't nourished our souls, and then something's come upon us, some kind of pressure, some kind of stress, and we come apart. Um, we're, we're just simply not equipped to walk through it, and our life becomes like um, that sinkhole. Um, we want to tend to our souls um, in a way that leads to growth and godliness and a nourished faith so that this isn't the picture of what we're like as believers. Seeing and bringing the Lord into our days is, is um, one way to prevent our souls um, from being like the sinkholes. Just letting who God is begin to connect with us and create channels and avenues by which that happens in our life to nourish our hearts. Um, this past Wednesday night, I, I go out in the evening a lot and just stand outside in our driveway. Um, I don't really walk anywhere, but um, I just I like standing out there looking at the stars. So I went out there Wednesday, and I was just kind of surveying my neighborhood. I was looking at my, my cars and, and whatever, whatever. I'm like, what am I doing with all these cars? And I was looking at all the oil stains on the, the road and wondering what the neighbors were thinking. Um, the house next to us I was looking at has is de- been uh, foreclosed, has been sitting around for about a year and a half and starting to de- deteriorate. Um, kitty corner from me, I was looking. The, uh, the rental house was loud and boisterous, as it usually is. Um, we have some new neighbors on one side, and uh, their house is dark, and it's, al- it's one of these neighbors, are, it's always dark. We never see them. Um, they're there. The cars come and go, but um, they're like phantom people. Um, never see them. I could see the lights um, of the park over by us lit up, whatever's going on over there. I could hear the sirens, all the kind of things at night. You go out there, and it's like life is happening all around. Um, and then I looked up, and the stars were just absolutely incredible um, that night. And the Big Dipper actually was right just as clear as can be. And I know God isn't out there. I realize that. Um, but there's a sense when we look at that, we remember how big our God is and, and how other he is from us. And the thought comes, how, does, how do we bring him to bear in all those places where we are, uh, on our streets and in our homes, um, the places we walk and the places we work? Um, how does God enter into this place which seems sometimes so unconnected from him? How can I, how can we see him here and now and um, bring our two great longings, I think, which are in all our hearts for his loving kindness, to know his love, and to know his presence. And how do we bring that to bear into our lives such that our lives become more like him, which is what his desire was in the first place, so that we don't become like that sinkhole? What is the connecting place for God to move into our lives um, to begin to bring the transformation he desires to bring? And we've been clear here at the Vineyard, we've talked about this many, many times in the past, that God is the one that transforms our hearts. Um, nothing we do does that work. God is the one who does it. Um, all of our efforts don't make it happen. But um, as God desires to transform us, he does call us to have a part in that um, in creating space for that to happen. Um, we create a connecting place, um, a space. Uh, you might think of channels. Um, habits, practices, I love the word rhythms, that we practice and prepare in our lives that become an avenue by which God's transforming work gets to happen in us. Um, They bring a transcendent God into the spaces of our lives, and these practices or these rhythms um, put us in a position to receive God's transforming work. He's the one who does the work, um, but the practices that we're going to be talking about put us in a position um, to receive that transforming work in our life. 
Um, there are the essential rhythms for godliness, and they're indispensable, and we call them the spiritual disciplines. It's just the name that we've given to them. So I can, if you want to, you can turn to 1 Timothy 4, a verse that we probably all know, so it'll be up on the screen, 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, um, by way of introduction to these rhythms, these spiritual disciplines that we go, that are avenues by which God brings his transforming work into the depth of our hearts to nourish our souls. It says, train yourself for the purpose of godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in everything. Train yourself for the purpose of godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, some of us are great about that, some of us aren't so great about that, godliness brings value to all things. So first of all, what's the goal? It says here the end goal here that we're moving towards is godliness. Um, it's Christ-likeness, being like him. Just another word for being holy like him or Christ-like. Um, the scriptures talk about a disciple is supposed to become like their teacher, right? And so as God has stepped into our life and brought um, us into faith, his, his goal is to make us like himself, to transform us. He's committed to that task in us, to be like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, We make it our ambition or our aim to please him. There's intent behind it, um, to be like him. And God is pleased when his children um, become like him. As parents, um, we have mixed feelings about that. So we see our kids show up ourselves in some ways, and we're like, that's good. And in other ways, we're going, hmm, like I shouldn't have passed that one along. That's not so good. But God, as he works in us, desires for us to be like him. And the end goal of his work, he wants us to be godly, Christ-like. Train ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And the path to that, it says here, is training. The path is training. And by the way, the path, as we talk about these things, the path does not transform us. But rather, it puts us in a place where God can do his work in us. So it's important for us to keep that in mind. I grew up thinking is the path that transformed us. So I'm going to work really hard at doing all these things. Um, but the path doesn't transform us, but it puts us in a place where we can receive God's work in us. And the path is training. The word is train yourself. Um, some of your translations probably say discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. If you have King James, um, I think it says exercise yourself. It's a, a vivid word. Um, comes from the same word we get the word gymnasium from. So it's like if you want to grow up and be like Christ, you go to the gym. That's the idea here. Um, gyms stink, and they're sweaty, and they take some work. Um, but that is the process, this path by which God calls us to if we want to grow in Christ-likeness. Training always implies some work, um, and that's where the struggle comes for us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 14 says this, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet, so that, while, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Interesting verses, because we believe God does the work and yet we're still called to strive and to press for it, to toil for something, to move in towards something as God promises to do the work. And that's this exercising, that's this, this training, that's this, um, this disciplining ourselves. So this can, discipline can be we discipline a child, 
but discipline is a set our hearts on training to move towards something, to come up with a plan to, um, to move forward. Timothy is frequently told by Paul to labor and to press towards something in order to attain to it. Colossians 1.29, Paul says this, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully wants to work within me. So actually Paul says, I'm going to toil strong, really toil and work, but it's God's energy that actually will do that through me as I pursue that. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and the final one is what? Self-control or self-discipline. It's actually the, um, when the fruits of the Spirit are abundant in our life, the, the, the main way they're shown is through self-control or self-discipline, choosing to pursue the path that he put us on. I started um, um, exercising three weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I think it was three. When I was doing the karate stuff for all that long, I was in probably the best shape of my life. It was wonderful, and that was like, ended like seven years ago now. It's, it's awesome. Wow, it's been a long time. And, um, and just because you're skinny does not mean that you have, you're in any kind of shape at all. I just can guarantee it. It means nothing. So I, the Hamlet, I, I don't like doing it in the morning because it's just weird. It doesn't work for me. Evenings, I'm not up to it. So I thought, you know, halfway through the day, I always start dying out about 12 o'clock. I'm just kind of, I don't feel like doing anything anymore. So I decided, I, uh, the Hamilton house has a shower over there. So I threw some extra clothes in there. I got out my, my karate workout, which is a marine workout thing you do. It's amazing, like, stuff I can do in the Hamilton house, push-ups, sit-ups. Um, I'm starting out with the uh, knee push-ups, and it's just it's sad. It's just sad, okay? But three weeks. And the thing is, whenever we exercise, what does it start out with? it's hard. And after the first week, I mean, if you just touched me, it hurt, which I knew I was doing the right thing, but it was, it's painful. And it's each day, like, I don't know if I want to do that again, but there's fruit that comes through it. It hasn't come yet, but it will. <laughs> I know from experience it comes. Paul says to train yourself. It's not an optional thing. It's an imperative. Um, he's, we're called and commanded to do it. Not because it makes the things happen, but because God uses it to work in us. Elizabeth Elliot says this. Um, she reminds us that freedom and discipline have come to be regarded in our world as mutually exclusive. In other words, if I have to discipline myself, I have to do this, then I'm not free anymore. When in fact, freedom is not at all the opposite, but rather it's the final reward of discipline. And as we press towards the things that he calls us to, there's a freedom in our Christian life that comes that we can think differently, we act differently, the things that move through our life naturally begin to change. It's the whole process of becoming uh, more like him. So train ourselves for the purpose of godliness. We want to be godly um, and for exercise to be effective, um, for our training in godliness to be effective. We have to make a start. We have to stay with it. And ultimately, it needs to be developed into a pattern or a habit or a rhythm. Remember we talked about these habits of worship? And the same thing with our spiritual disciplines. They create a habit or a rhythm of life that produces godliness over the long haul. So we are, the, as we talk about the spiritual disciplines, we're talking about developing habits which restore and recalibrate and rehabituate our hearts to the way Christ's heart and mind works. So key t- two key terms I just want to talk about, um, and it's the word sp- the spiritual disciplines, and the second one I want to talk about is the, a rule of life, spiritual disciplines and a rule of life. By definition, the spiritual disciplines, there's lots of them, but here's the, by the simplest one, 
There's specific practices or habits of devotion that promote Christian growth. Specific habits or practices of discipline that are intended and serve to promote Christian growth um, in us. Um, there are our way of, as Romans 12 says, presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, holy acceptable, which is our, our, our spiritual service of worship. Their characteristics, and I'm going to list several. There's a, be a bunch of them up here. This comes from a book by Donald Whitney, so I just stole them from him because they were good. Um, some specific characteristics, for instance, not everything is a spiritual discipline. Some people say anything can be a spiritual discipline. I don't think that's true. Um, there are lots of things we can do that can incorporate the spiritual disciplines, help us do them. Um, for instance, um, uh, running is not a spiritual discipline. It's, it's training. Um, but in running, for some of you, it is a time where you, you, you actually begin to think more clearly, and you're able to meditate on certain words. You're able to actually get alone, so it can serve that purpose. But here's some characteristics. One, they're personal and, inter- and interpersonal. In other words, there's private spiritual disciplines, and there's corporate ones. So, for instance, worship, when we worship together, is actually a spiritual discipline. And we do it, we can do it personally, but better yet, we do it corporately. So there's personal ones, and then there's corporate ones. And some can be both. Um, They are activities, not attitudes. Jerry talked about this last week a little bit. Um, They are things that we do, um, not necessarily things that we feel. Um, They require action. Um, And that's where it gets hard because there's something that we have to take a choice to do it and move forward and to to press into them. Third of all, they're biblical or they're biblically informed. Like I just said, um, you'll see some lists in books of spiritual disciplines, and they cover every possible thing you ever do in your life. Um, Like I said, they can be context by which we engage with the spiritual disciplines, um, but are not necessary, but they come out of the Bible or they're um, biblically informed. Um, In some places, Scripture, it actually tells us to do things so we're, we're commanded to pray, spiritual discipline. Jesus expects us to fast, for instance. It's, we're told to do so. There are some that are there by way of example. And so we, we get both those out of the scriptures. Next, there's sufficient. Scriptures say that we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. And so these things that God has brought around us to help train us to create these, these paths or these channels by which God can work in us, they're sufficient. I don't have to figure something else um, over and above that. These are the things that God says, step into these things, and I'm going to do uh, my work in you. 2 Timothy 3 talks about uh, the word being profitable, that we'd be fully equipped for every good work. Um, the scriptures show us the things to do. Um, they're means, not ends. I've m- mentioned that multiple times. Um, I... Um, I've always treated him differently than that. I was, uh, I was one of the people that did read the chapter, check it off, read the chapter, which is not a bad thing to do. But in my mind, God was getting happier and happier and happier with me. And then when I didn't do it, then I, was, I had to go back down the ladder and start over again was the idea. I'd keep moving it up. Keep moving up the, up the ladder as we go along. And that's not how it works. They're, no, they're not means. They're the means to, to godliness, not the ends. How many have, have treated them sometimes as the ends themselves? We, it's just we kind of naturally go that way. Um, it just it feeds that sense of I've got to do something in order to get God's favor, and that's not what they are. And they can be disciplines of abstinence or disciplines of engagement. In other words, giving up things. Some of you are talking about Lent. It may be giving up certain things. Fasting would be a discipline of abstinence. 
um, or maybe one of engagement. So we're going to actually, um, John's going to be speaking in a couple weeks, um, one you might not think about, but the spiritual discipline of community. And it's all about engagement with each other and, and the value of doing that. So they can be either of those two things. Um, here's some examples. This is not all of them, but this, these are the ones that you're probably most familiar with. Um, though Michael put them up there. We have the, the um, spiritual discipline of solitude. Does anybody know what solitude is? Okay. Discipline of silence. Interesting, when we, we're actually going to look at this one next week. Um, solitude and silence together, they go, they're, they're a pair. Um, trying to discover silence in a really noisy world. There are actually ways to do it, um, but to get real silence, it's pretty hard. It's pretty difficult. Fasting. Everybody's like, oh, no, not that one. <laughs> so lots of different ways to fast. Simplicity. Not a popular one in our culture either. Sabbath. Um, we've talked a lot about that, but it's a spiritual discipline, important one. The s- spiritual discipline of submission. Choosing to place ourselves under people on a regular basis. Uh, common one, Bible reading and meditation. Both reading it as well as letting it percolate in us. Discipline of worship, prayer, community, interesting friendship. Um, gets reviewed in the scriptures a number of times. Confession, um, what we just talked about with the budget, stewardship and giving as a spiritual discipline and an act of worship. Um, learning or study, so not just reading it, but we actually discipline ourselves to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed. The discipline of service and ministry, which we will talk about the, the last week. And interesting, the spiritual discipline of celebration, which is all over the scriptures. Um, actually choosing to do things of celebration over God. That's just a few examples. By the way, um, when we talk about them, it's not like you've got to be doing all of them all the time. Um, God gives us all these different channels by which we do it. And some of these... Um, if you, if you decide, okay, this year I'm going to explore some of these, you'll find that some just connect with you in ways that don't connect with other people, and some don't. Um, it doesn't mean we can skip praying doesn't connect. I'm not going to do it anymore. You don't, you don't get to do that. But interesting that there's certain ones that will just touch you in certain ways or different times. Um, the more we have going on, the better, of course. But sometimes some of these might be something you've never done before. So it's like I'm going to discover what this is about. What's this thing about fasting? What is, what's all with that? And begin to explore and discover what it is and give it a try. Interesting about the thing about the spiritual disciplines is Jesus practiced all of these. Um, and it's important that we don't miss that. Jesus did not practice them by way of examples. So we go, okay, Jesus did, I guess we should do it. Jesus practiced them, um, I hope this sounds okay, because he needed to practice them. Um, Jesus, when he was here on earth, operated by the power of the Spirit. Um, he submitted to the will of the Father and he, he walked through the power of the Spirit, which is what we're called to do as well. And so Jesus engaged in all of these things. Um, they were indispensable to all that he was and all that he did. Remember the story of uh, the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus up there with the disciples? And they've had this great time. They come down, and the disciples are gathered, and there's all these people around, and they're trying to cast out a demon, and they can't do it. It's just they're not having any success at it, and they're upset and frustrated, and the people are angry. And Jesus comes down, and he, he casts out the demon. 
And he says to him, this, this is the kind that only can come out by prayer and fasting. Interesting statement. So it wasn't like, okay, there's a demon, so now let's go pray and fast, and then let's come back and do it. That's not what was going on there. Jesus was ready to cast out the demon because he had a habit, a, a pattern, a rhythm of prayer and fasting in his life that allowed the power of the Spirit to work through him in order to do what he needed to do. Um, there are things that need to be ongoing in our life in order to prepare the way for what God wants to do in those times of need. So that when the pressures come, there's not this empty hole in our soul that caves in underneath the pressures, but we have been nourished by these things. Our soul has been nourished and strengthened. You can look over all of history of the church. You can look over the great people of the faith. You can think of a person that you know that you think, this is the person I would call godly. Every single one of them, I guarantee without exception, has made the spiritual disciplines a part of their life. There is no other way towards godliness except by putting these in place into our life. The second uh, term I want to talk about is a rule of life. Um, we may have not used this very often. Um, kind of a Benedictine thing. They have a Benedictine rule of life if you've read about th- those kinds of things. But we have the spiritual disciplines, these things that we do, these practices, these habits that create a space or a channel by which God's transforming work happens. When we take all those and begin to structure them and organize them into our life, along with all of our other things that we do, we're eating and our sleeping and our exercise, and we, we structure them, not inflexibly, but in some sort of a plan that works for us. We call it a, it's called a rule of life. Um, when we take a variety of spiritual practices, arrange them all into our life practices. Um, Ruth Haley Barton says this. I think it's going to be up there. A rule of life is a way of ordering our life around the values, practices, and relationships that keep us open and available to God for the work of spiritual transformation that only God can bring about. Simply put, a rule of life provides structure and space for growing. So when we develop a habit of multiple spiritual disciplines and integrate them into the rest of our life, we call it a rule of life. So um, probably, some of us have probably done that. Some of us are like, I'm not really sure what we're talking about here. Uh, Life just kind of happens, and hopefully everything that's important gets gets pulled in along the way. Um, A long time ago, there was a... um, a group that said, you know, we should kind of come up with some kind of patterns in order to bring some structure to life so life does not just carry us away. Um, week by week by week by week goes by, and we have all these good intentions. There's things that we want to do. There's things that we want to um, pay our hearts and our minds attention to. Um, we're thinking about the Lord, and then all of a sudden we're going back, so when was the last time I really actively did this or this or that discipline? Or when did I really pay attention to his presence? When did I experience fully his, his love and kindness? And we miss it in all of life. And so this idea of a rule of life is taking these spiritual disciplines, practices, and beginning to think, so how do they fit in? And all of our lives are different, um, and they're shaped differently. And we can incorporate that into, like I said, things like exercise and my eating habits and my time with my family. And um, like I said, it's, it's not inflexible, but you know, I think that when you have structure, it gives more freedom to do more things. Um, it protects from things that are unnecessary, and it actually gives more room and more space to move around and do some things a little bit differently. Um, the lack of doing so usually results, you know, some of you are, are great at this, but for most of us, some kind of lack of structure leads to not doing a whole lot, quite honestly. And the, the urgent and the immediate just drive us, and that's what takes place um, in our life. 
As I said, this is a step to bring deep, everyday connection of our lives with the transcendent God. Um, like I said, a rule of life can include things like eating habits, exercise, family time, work patterns, all of which find value, meaning, and impact as they're laced together by the spiritual disciplines in our life. They make space for the Lord to enter every square inch of our days. That's the intention of them. As I said, a life tends to take us where it wants. Um, and I, I know for, as I, one thing about teaching, you got to think, so am I doing any of this stuff? <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, interesting, in our seasons of our life, it changes. Um, we all go through these different seasons, and we're all in different places. And every time those seasons change, everything gets messed up. Because all of a sudden, it's just your, the, those with the little kids have a season of life. It impacts what their rule of life is going to look like. Um, those who, when kids are out of the house, it changes it. There's an impact there. Um, and so we have to step back regularly and going, what's this supposed to look like? God, what are you inviting me to at this place? What, what does the ordering of my life look at in order for you to best do the transforming work in me? To create rhythms in our life where the Lord is at the center. Um, actually, the, um, not this, not tomorrow, but the following Sunday, the 12th, I'm actually going to put into practice the solitude one because after church I'm heading to the desert, which I do each year. So I'm heading out to the desert for a week um, where it actually is silent and there's solitude. Um, but one of my goals for that time, if that's okay to say a goal, it's a goal, is to think through this whole thing. What's, what's, what's the pattern of my life at this season of life? What's the rule of my life that God is calling me to? What does it look like? Because I would say right now it's just kind of a, just, it's, just, it's, just a you know, it's just stuff out there. Hopefully things happen. And that's not the way God best uses us to do his work um, in us. What, what kind of rule of life is the Spirit um, calling us to? So a few things by way of conclusion. That's, that's it for our introduction. Um, Dorothy Bass says this. She's got a book on the Sabbath, which is actually really good. We long to see our lives whole and to know that they matter. We wonder whether our many activities might ever come together in a way of life that is good for ourselves and for others. Does all this activity make a difference beyond ourselves? Are we really living in right relationship to other people, to the created world, and to our God? Lacking a vision of a life-giving way of life, we turn from one task to another. Or some of us just don't do anything. We've just become paralyzed, which is a sure beginning of a sinkhole. We yearn for a deeper understanding of how to order our life in accord with what is true and what is good, and what is transforming. Um, in our best moments of thinking, I don't think any of us here just want to get through life. Um, there's a hunger, a desire, a passion for something else. This connection with our creator that actually transforms us and brings the integration to all that we do. We desire that deep, abiding, life-giving connection with the one who has made us in his image and has redeemed us at the cross. Meister Eckhart, he's a, a German theologian from the 1200s, said this, The reason we are not able to see God is because of the faintness of our desire. Um, it's not that he's hidden, but our, our hearts don't hunger for it anymore. We, um, there's a book on fasting that says that we nibble so long at the table of the world that our, our appetites are dulled and our vision is, is uh, dim to seeing God. Life takes over. <clears throat> The world dulls our hunger for God, and our souls become famished. And on the outside, it can look just fine. But sometimes it's caving in inside. 
The spiritual disciplines, rather than being another demand on our time and life, are instead a gateway to nourishment, growth, fresh vision, and to seeing and touching um, God ourselves. And our question as we move into us is, um, will we arrange our lives for what we most long for? Will we arrange our lives and our patterns and our rhythms for that which we long for the most? Which underneath everything else, I have lots of desires. Underneath everything, I just want to know God's love. I want to know he's present um, in me. And will we arrange our lives in order to experience that? Janice, if you could uh, bring the worship team on up. One life-giving essential rhythm um, is our gathering for worship every single week. And at the center of our worship every week is this table, which is why we have it back out in the middle here um, again. Each week being able to, as a, as a rhythm of our life, gathering around this together as one body, to realign our lives around Jesus, to remember his redemptive work for us. Um, and is, it is here every single week we have a chance to step out of this rush of life that has taken us in all sorts of directions, um, some good and some bad, and to come back around, remember who did the work in us, remember what we're here for, remember what we're created for, and to have ourselves realigned again afresh around that table and with um, one another. And to let the faintness of our desire um, to be rekindled around this table. So before I pray over the bread and cup, I'm gonna, Bill's going to read a, a verse, and then um, I'll pray, and we'll worship, and we can gather around the table together. The reading is from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 